electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. starts right now live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Tim Seymour. Tonight on Fast, it is a tale of two chip stocks. AMD getting crushed today while Micron soared, but that's not been the case this year. A top technician tells us which stock is the chip of choice. Plus, Bitcoin showing signs of life as good news from Wall Street sends the whole crypto universe soaring. We will bring you the details, but first, the Dow up nearly 150 points but we start off with Facebook sitting out today's rally all by itself. Shares of the stock are down 26% from its all-time high made back in July. And the stock has lost a whopping $46 billion in market cap so far this year. We know all the problems the company is facing as users flee the platform. Washington regulations are looming and the social giant tries to fight election interference. This is one of the most widely held growth stocks on the planet. Chances are you do own it in your retirement fund. So are Facebook's best days behind it. I don't think their best days are behind it, but I also do think that when you look at Facebook right now, and Tepper was on there talking about this stock today, because it's one of his very largest positions, and he talked about the idea that it looks too cheap given the growth rate. Trades at 24 times right now, 17, 18 times on a forward. So there's a lot of reasons to look at this and say, you know what, there's an opportunity. The problem's going to be they already told us, and what killed them on the earnings call was how much they were going to have to spend. And I think that that's a number that still is an unknown. And because of that unknown, I think that's why the stock's kind of languishing. And it might happen that it will sit somewhere in a range for probably the next couple of quarters until people start to get more comfortable with how much money are they going to have to spend for security? How much money are they going to have to spend mm -hmm. to make sure that people feel like they can trust but Facebook But you think the again? revenue growth will still be there? I do. We haven't seen the peak of that, Karen. I do. I think so also. I, I mean, I talked a little last week about we're in sort of a vacuum of news for Facebook except negative news, you know, this sort of, you know, this, the testimony on the Hill and that kind of thing. That hasn't been good for them at all. But, I mean, still, this is an extraordinary business at a very attractive price. I think we're still going to see growth. October 24th is sort of the next hard event, which is their earnings. We'll see. We'll see to, to Pete's point about spending, how that's doing. Also, remember, Instagram, look, look at what's happening to Snap. Where, yeah. where, where is that going? It's going to Instagram. So I, I, you know, I hate seeing the stock down, but I'm absolutely staying long well, here. You know, you say there's no there's no positive catalyst until earnings, but I mean, how about you know that you just had an earnings number or was it six weeks ago? And again, wasn't that supposed to be a catalyst? So the point is, earnings are not a catalyst, and and I, I agree with Pete, uh, but I disagree with also just what, what happened on that call was not that they said it's going to cost more to secure uh, you know our, our, our company. Is that we don't even know how to how to manage and that whole process. Our most important asset is data, um, and I think the bottom line here is this is a company. Uh, look, we pay for company we talk about multiple it's cheap we pay for a company the most important thing is the multiple it's what multiple you think it's worth it's not necessarily what the earnings are it's a multiple of those earnings Facebook trades at 16 times 2019 you know why because no one has trusted this management team to be able to secure their most important asset which is data. I've been talking about this for five months and I wrote an op-ed on CNBC bottom line here is Didn't I don't it. think this management but team <laughs> deserves any credit well you should have because you would have been you would have actually been ahead of this trade this stock is not only down 
down since uh, from that earnings number, but it's down 10% since earnings, which means people are starting to realize that companies who have data as their most important asset better can be I, able can to, I to, to check before that. You, you get in here and, and slam whatever him. you want. Your show. Um, according to Pew, <laughs> Pew Research, they did a survey of adults who use Facebook. 54% have adjusted privacy settings. 42% have taken a break from checking it for several weeks or more. And 74% did a combination. Well, of hold those on. Things. And you missed the most important one which of that whole what? little Pew study from which the summer, what? which I was going to do before which, you just kind of got in May front of me. 25% <laughs> of the respondents between like 18 and whatever deleted the app. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. It's got this snowball effect, right? So numbers are kind of getting de-risked because analysts have taken their estimates down pretty dramatically. I think earnings um, growth next year is supposed to be at the lowest ever, like 16%. Sales growth around 20% or something like that. That sounds actually pretty good. And the multiple trading at like 19 times or something sounds pretty good, except for the fact when you start thinking about what is the snowball effect of losing users in a really important demographic. And here's the other thing. In America, you know, the average revenue per user, the ARPU, is about four times that of what it is around the world, okay? This is a U.S. issue right now. So if they start losing... This is a, this is a, if they start... Well, hold on. If they start I think you're focused on the wrong you, thing. Well, hold on. You really if are. they start losing users, okay, where it's much more profitable for them per user in the U.S., advertisers start spending less here in the U.S., that's when you start to get a meaningful deceleration in all these numbers, and then you're going to see less advertisers come to the platform. Uh, look, I think there's an existential threat about whether people want to be on a centralized platform. That's not even what I'm talking about. I think there's a governance risk here. I mean, the bottom line is I don't think this management team has been transparent. I don't think that they can be transparent. And I think in a world where, you know, we've had this digital transition, data is the most important asset in the world right now. It's their core asset. You guys are and, talking and, about two different things, but yet you're yeah, on the same side of the I, fence. No, but in terms I, of the pressures on the stock here, whether it be from governance I think or investors are missing this from, issue. Yeah, but so, I, so I, I want to disagree with Tim on something. So we, it's interesting. We're at 161. We're 11 bucks higher than where we were in March. And the, and the lows when this we didn't have all of this right. information. The company hadn't guided down yet. So we're definitely going back there. The lower we go, the worse the sentiment gets, then I'm in their camp where I see the next earnings as a massive opportunity. You know, they sent Sheryl Sandberg to the Hill last week, right? They right. sent Zuckerberg there a few months ago. This is a company that wants to be in front of it. I think they're going to get it right. I think the lower the stock goes, but the greater the they opportunity. They want to be in front of it, but they are not transparent. To your point, I 100% agree. But I would, also, I would also say say that when you guys talk about Facebook, I think everybody talks about Facebook. I actually focus more and more on Instagram and other verticals where they have the growth. I mean, that growth is actually continuing to grow. Facebook, you figured it's going to stall at some point in time. It's stalled. Maybe it's even losing a little bit. So we'll see some of those numbers. What is the trade on then? What is the multiple base on? Is the multiple base primarily on Instagram and the growth there or on the Facebook core platform? It's a combination. View, and, I'll, and I'll give you a great example. My example would be Microsoft. What is Microsoft? Well, Microsoft, now everybody says cloud. That actually was coming long before. When Satya Nadella took over, it was about how, how do we grow outside of our, our core asset? We're going to do it through the cloud. I think that's what you're seeing right now with Facebook and the investments that Facebook is making and has made to get themselves to the next level, not just relying on Facebook itself. Let me just add one other thing yeah. just to sort of... I don't know if it's fight or agree with Dan. My inclination <laughs> is to fight, but it might be an agreement. You talk about analysts it. taking numbers down. Yeah. You know who took numbers down? Facebook. Yeah. They took their numbers no, down. Yeah. They took their margins down in a very big way, yeah. right? So I think 
that the risk reward is very competitive. You no, know, we're in the same camp. So, so we're in the same camp. They got it down, and analysts brought their estimates down. That's why we're seeing a multiple like we've never seen in a stock ever that's, before. And that's what in it comes team. down to. What are investors willing? What multiple are they willing to pay for a company that that I think again their most important asset is data. This is the thing that's going on right now, and, it, and it's Google, and it's Amazon, and it's Netflix. They they don't exist without that asset. Well, and that the, in terms of the multiple, that goes back to your thought that they already took the guidance down. That's if you believe that guidance. That that's if you believe that they have a handle on what this whole thing is going to spend. To cost. What they're going to spend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they have. And I, I'm not sure that we know that. Guys. We don't. We don't. But it, I'm, I don't know for you know sure. What's interesting, by the way? What? Dan's got his mic's upside down tonight, which means that actually <laughs> it explains why what? the entire what? conversation what? 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 is What? Listen, is here's a company. Well, they have $42 billion in cash and no debt on their balance sheet. They yeah. still generate a ton of cash, okay? So whatever fines they're going to pay, they've already guided to what it's going to cost relative to their cash flow, that sort of thing. So here's the thing. I think the most important thing, we know that data is the thing that they sell. We are the, we are the product, but they have a billion-plus users on WhatsApp. They've never monetized that. What if they make a play into payments. What if they start the verticals? That's what I was talking about. Why are they looking straight at you? So what I'm saying is, again, it's a matter of sentiment. I think it's been de-risked a good bit. All right. From Facebook to another tech giant that's stolen out. We're talking about Google, the company facing a perfect storm of problems. Let's get to Julia Borson for the details. Julia. Well, Melissa, today the FTC started hearings on competition and consumer protection, questioning whether Google, along with Facebook and Amazon, are monopolies. And this comes amid reports that Attorney General Sessions is prepping an investigation into social media companies for censorship. A leaked video from Google could fuel allegations that the Internet giants are biased against conservatives. Breitbart posting a video from a Google meeting after the 2016 election in which the top executives shared their disappointment over President Trump's victory. Myself, um, uh, as an immigrant and a refugee, um, I, I certainly find this election uh, deeply offensive, and I know many of you do too. Um, and, and I think it's a very stressful time, uh, and it uh, conflicts with many of our values. Google CEO Sunar Pichai saying, quote, I think all of us would agree this election was particularly hard. Google responding to Breitbart posting this video saying, quote, for over 20 years, everyone at Google has been able to freely express their opinions at these meetings. Nothing was said at that meeting or any other meeting to suggest that any political bias ever influences the way we build or operate our products. But Google's C-suite is facing growing scrutiny, especially after declining the Senate's invitation to testify last week. House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy tweeting, it's time for Congress to make sure Google lives up to its old motto, don't be evil, hashtag stop the bias. We'll see who Congress calls to testify and how Google responds. Melissa? All right, Julia, thank you. Julia Borson in Los Angeles. Karen, still on Facebook. But how uh, alphabet. Al yeah. how concerned are you at this point? I mean, I'm sort of concerned. In some, some part, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, they're not having hearings about Fox, the Fox Corporation with videos of them saying, wow, we're delighted that Trump won and that they're either biased or they're not biased, in which case, why should they say anything about Google or Twitter or anyone else? Putting that sort of show aside, most pressing right now is that September 25th, we'll hear the attorneys general brief Jeff Sessions on, I don't even know exactly what it is to tell you the truth, what exactly they want to do, beside they don't like Google, the PR of it is bad. Let's say 
that they want to do something, they feel like we have to do something. I think this DOJ has kind of lost credibility already. Let's remember what happened at AT&T Time Warner. That seemed to be a politically motivated sort of case, right? Mm -hmm. And they lost badly. Now, that could play either way. They're, we don't care if politically motivated or not. We'll do it anyway. So I, I don't love that. But I think we are a long way from a attorney general briefing to a big suit, a Microsoft-type suit against Google and others. That could happen, though. The other thing, though, is let's, there are competitive. Let's, it's ironic that Microsoft, Bing, for example, are they one of the ones being hurt here? Is that part of the problem? I mean, that if that's part so of what they're you're talking at, specifically about antitrust issues here. Yes, I think. But I in terms of just the bias issue and whether or not algorithms why, are biased or not. Well, hey, here's the thing, though. What, let's say they are. Uh huh. They're not allowed to have an opinion. Algorithms. Right? Are they not? Is this company well, not allowed an issue. to you know, have an No, there's opinion. an issue. It's, it comes down to monopoly. I mean, so that's it. They have 90% of search. So, they can so have an that's, why, they, that's why the Justice Department can have a thing. And, and I'm going to tell you, I don't think you should poo-poo this. And I know Tim, you, don't, you guys don't like to poo-poo anything. But no, listen, nah, Sessions, not Jeff Sessions is out Never poo -poo. in a couple of months. Who do you think they're going to replace? Who do you think is going to be at the top? They might of, be distracted with other things, no, right? No, well, I'm Who just knows? saying. It's going to be somebody much more in line with what conservatives and the president think. Let me just finish, though. Let me just finish. If this is something that ends up in find that I think would actually not be bad at all for Google they could easily digest that the other thing is we talked about um, uh, GDPR right yeah. for a long time and in fact after that happened Google went up a lot I think we've already seen I think it's about 35 billion dollars of cloud right now hanging over alphabet from where from all of this circus in the last two or three weeks right isn't there another concern though that there could be regulation of course. Yeah. Regarding no. what Google will do, that could that would be the result from, of the of yes of, of GDPR. Uh, but, but separate from a DOJ investigation, separate from that would be the result FCC. of a DOJ investigation. Well, all right. No, way, it could whatever. be. It doesn't have to be the result of a DOJ yes. investigation. Okay. It could just be the Senate or the House and or the House of holding course. hearings about whether or not this algorithm is biased or not. Of course. And and again, you know, I'm long Google, so I like Google, Karen. I think it's a, a reasonably valued company. But you can't tell me more regulations not coming. You also can't tell me that who's more at risk, a company whose value is all in an algorithm um, where you could be forced to change that algorithm or change it dramatically. That's their core asset. So um, well, GDP... If you're long, then, you're saying, all right, I understand there's a risk, which I do too. I'm willing to accept that risk for the power of this business, the price of this business, how much cash they have, what other levers they have. Yes. So, so uh, yes, I'm still I'm long and I'm not going to sell tomorrow. Um, but what I want to highlight is an issue that I don't think investors are thinking about. I think this is an issue where how we need to look at companies whose core assets are in the internet. It's the same argument I'm having about Facebook, by the way, and I got to keep having it because I think these companies are all at risk. And I think you have a dynamic here with more regulation. Um, the EU just passed rules today that could force Google and Facebook uh, to have issues on copyright and uploading content that's copyrighted to the internet. Europe's leading the way. They continue to lead the way, and this is an issue. Right. Save it for an op-ed on CNBC.com. you know what? That's fine. But guess <laughs> All what? right, guys. we got to go to break. It's Coming been up. right. Check out shares of Sears, the company just announcing earnings that were delayed. The company decline is illustrating an important business concept that every investor should know. We will explain what that is right after the break. And are we witnessing a reversal of fortune after a parabolic run? AMD is having its worst day in two months. A top technician tells us that he is still betting on this high-flying chip stock. And later, there's one biotech tech stock sitting near bear market territory that Pete here says is headed for a turnaround. He'll step up to the plate for a fast pitch. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. What does it mean to be rich? 
Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Struggling retailer Sears reporting earnings after delaying them earlier this morning. Courtney Reagan joins us live from the news and with more on the story. Hey, Court. Hi, Melissa. So Sears did just report those second quarter results. You pointed out delayed from this morning. We still don't exactly know why. The storied retailer did post another loss, twice as large as a year ago. Revenues down 26%. Now, the same store sales were down 3.9%. That is actually the smallest sales slump we've seen in more than three years. But in context, Sears hasn't reported a positive quarterly comp in at least eight years. July and August did see positive monthly comps, so that's there. But there is really no real consensus because the company is no longer covered by analysts, so we don't have any comparative numbers here. The CFO does note that the retailer is continuing to explore the sale of the Kenmore brand. CEO Eddie Lampert had offered to buy it for $400 million. And in the release, Lampert says the company is, quote, hopeful that we can stabilize the store base in the near future, meaning not keep announcing those store closures. There are under 900 stores now. It's about a quarter of the stores that they had 10 years ago. And in that same time period, the company has shed 98% of its market cap. The float is extremely small. It's heavily shorted. You often see these volatile moves. The market cap is under about $135 million at this point. So we just want to make sure that all the viewers understand that as we show them the stock chart here. It is up 19% after hours. But again, remember, $135 million market cap. Back over to you. All right, Court, thank you. Courtney Reagan. Well, our millennial viewers, and we have many of them, may not believe this next step. <laughs> but Sears, or Sears Roebuck and Company, as it once was called, was once the biggest company in America. In 1893, the retailer began as a booming mail order business selling wristwatches, which was a radical idea for its time. <laughs> you could also buy socks, socks, even a house from the Sears catalog that was delivered right to your mailbox. You could call it the internet of its time. In the 1970s, at its peak, um, it had 4,000 stores, approximately 350,000 employees. Sears announced plans to build a new headquarters in downtown Chicago. The Sears Tower giving the Windy City skyline bragging rights for the largest building in the world for the next 25 years. But then came along a monster wave of competition from Walmart to Amazon to others. And today, Sears is struggling to stay alive with around 800 retail locations, roughly 90,000 employees with more closings and layoffs on the horizon. So what led to the demise of such an iconic American brand? And I guess this is sort of a reminder that it could happen to other iconic American brands that we see around us today. Karen, especially in the well, retail space. <laughs> especially in the retail space. I mean, the idea of this being the Amazon, and it really was, is kind of extraordinary. I think it all sort of started with the Kmart merger. And it seemed at that time that it was a real estate play, so they became much bigger. They bought Kmart. And I think the strategy then was to milk the stores for cash. And, and that was at a time when Amazon was sort of just starting and retail business was really, really changing. The ridiculous thing about that, that number reported today, th down 3.6 comp sale, store sales, that's the best they've had in a long time. That's because they've gotten rid of all of their worst stores. This right. is the cream of the crop of what they have left. And it's still down 3.6%. And 3. it's 6%. still down. And I mean, it's really sad. A lot of people work there. It's, uh, 
I mean, they just didn't spend and they were levered. And I mean, this, the fact that it's still public is only the tiniest stub of, of really it's a, just a reminder yeah. that it's, it's unfortunate. But it's interesting because you think, how could that happen and could this ever happen right. to an Amazon? I'm going to put you on the spot, Pete, sure. as I like to do occasionally. Yeah, Which retailer? He can handle it. He's, he's a big I know. Come on, I know he can. That's why I'm throwing it at him. <laughs> what retailer today do you think could heed uh, the warning uh, that is Sears Holdings? Maybe somebody like a Bed Bath & Beyond or something like that, where they're not doing enough to be as competitive. I mean, the reason I think that some of the companies have survived and actually grown, Best Buy, they absolutely went right after everything Amazon was doing. They were supposed to be out of business literally years ago. After that, they had lost some competition there as well. But I think the real thing that we're seeing right now in terms of what's going on is those that can compete online, whether that's Home Depot or you go through the list, if you can compete online and you've got the store presence, you can compete in this world against Amazon and you can still win. Well, net beneficiaries are, are Home Depot, Lowe's, and, and, and uh, um, Best Buy. Anyway, it sounds like we got to go commercial. Oh, so. no, no. One no, trader no. just bet the entire retail space is gearing up for a big rally. So, Dan, what did you see today? Yeah, so t today in the, in the XRT, which has obviously had a massive rally, it's 35% off of its 52-week lows last year. Um, call volume was really hot. It was six times that of puts. And there was a lot of sellers of long calls, so guys who came in and gals, um, long and selling out of them. But there was one trade that caught my eye when the stock was trading at 51.50. There was a buyer of 3,000 of the 51 and a half next week expiration. Um, calls those break even up at 52.12. Not far. It's kind of a at the money play here for a continued rally. And if you look at this, I have a five-year chart right now. The thing has been basing um, above those prior highs, right, of the, uh, of the years ago here. And maybe this is just a play over the next week or so that you get a further breakout. All right. For more options action, check out the full show. That's tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, check out this mystery chart. The stock is down nearly 12% in the past year. But Pete says this biotech's worst days are behind it. He'll give us his fast pitch. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. You complete me. That's what Bitcoin investors are saying about Wall Street after a report that Morgan Stanley is jumping on the crypto bandwagon sent Bitcoin higher. And we'll tell you what that could mean for the crypto carnage. Plus, strangers in the night, exchanging glances. Shares of Micron are falling, while shares of NVIDIA are rallying. So why the divergence? And which should you bet on? We'll explain when Fast Money returns. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Fast Money. It's a tale of two chip stocks. AMD sinking today while Micron soared and the move has highlighted a strange divergence. Let's get to Dom Chu in the newsroom for all the details. Hey, Dom. 
Well, Melissa, chip stocks have been at the center of a lot of trader chatter over the last couple of weeks, and for good reason. An industry group that had assumed a good amount of market leadership over the past few years has now been pretty locked in a trading range so far this year. But the Vanek Vectors Semiconductor ETF, that ticker SMH, is still up around 8% in 2018, given today's positive price action. But you dig a little deeper, though, and you'll see that over the medium term, there is a pretty big segmentation between the haves and the have-nots in the chip space. Over the last six months, only around five of the 25 stocks in that index ETF have posted positive returns. And the variance between the best and worst performers is pretty wide. On the upside, you've got advanced micro devices, AMD, up a whopping 156% or so in that span. Meanwhile, one of the worst performers has been memory chip maker Micron, which has lost over a quarter of its value. Micron is one of hedge fund manager David Tepper's top holdings at Appaloosa Management. And earlier today on the halftime report, he talked about why he's still in the trade. We obviously think so because it's one of the stocks we haven't reduced as much. So it's become, even though we reduced our portfolio, it's a bigger part of our actual equity portfolio than it was before. Um, although we did reduce it somewhat, but just less. So it's, it is a bigger part of our portfolio. So from the horse's mouth, David Tepper, a bull on Micron, still bullish despite the downside price action. We'll see if those chip stocks and their divergences hold or whether they can be bullish and at least provide some kind of an inkling towards that bullish trade overall in the market for the upside. Melissa, back over to you guys. All right, Dom, thanks. Dom, you in the newsroom. Well, our next guest says stick with the chip winners. Let's go off the charts with Todd Gordon of TradingAnalysis.com. Hi, Todd. Hey, Melissa. Yeah, the, uh, the semis have obviously been the focus of all the kind of the the trading community. And just before we jump into the charts, let me just put something out there to just show how bifurcated the semis are. If you look at the SMH, since November of 2017, we're at the same level. So there's some winners and there's some losers. First two we're going to start with are the, the underperformers, which is Intel. Intel's been under a lot of pressure here. So to put it in context, we're going back to 2009, the bottom of the credit crisis. And let's just gauge how big each of the major corrections has been. There's been four main corrections. Number one right here, you can see that I've got it kind of laid out here for you, a 25% loss over 15 weeks. Again, up here, we've doubled it, 34% in 29 weeks, 35% in 38 weeks. Here's where we are right now. As, under, as much as Intel's been underperforming, we're down 21% in just 14 weeks. So if history is any guide, I would, stay, I would say that this underperformance in Intel is still a little immature and has a little ways to go. So I think if, if the market is going to continue to kind of go sideways, Intel could continue to be under pressure until we start to match up these prior corrections. The other um, laggard in the Intel, in the, uh, in the Intels, and the chips, no surprise, is going to be Micron. So as we flip over here, and Micron is going to show us an amazing chart. I know we can do it. When it comes up there, just give me the heads up. There we go. Um, this chart is amazing. Um, again, we're going back to that 2009 low, and it just shows how well contained in this beautiful uptrend channel we happen to be. I put the same chart out here about a month ago um, on Fast Money. We're starting to back off. Now, Micron is in the upper end of resistance. This is the upper channel resistance. If this kind of downturn in Micron, if it's truly a cyclical stock, as reflected by the technicals, you know, we could get down and start to, to see another 30, 40, 50 percent loss in MU. So there's no support in sight from this chart. 
on Micron. Now we flip over and look at the two strong ones that we're looking at here. So next up, uh, I think, is going to be NVIDIA. This is a fairly, uh, a stock that's had a great, amazing run. Uh, we're kind of falling into a little bit of consolidation. What I want to do is just draw your attention for you traders out there. Look at this nice little pattern right here. I'm going to draw it for you. It's a nice rally up to a new all-time high. And then basically what I'm going to do is pull it up here. It does a little three-wave pullback. You buy into some support, and then you expect a new high. The exact same thing just happened right here as we're approaching the new all-time highs. You have a little three-wave pullback, and we're looking for support to come in and buy that. A kicker, this drop right here was 7%. This drop right here was exactly 7%. So there's a lot of uh, patterns and symmetry in this market. Finally, AMD, amazing stock here. Look at this chart. This one just blows my mind. 1973, I think this stock IPO'd. Look how much of a range we've been in for, I think, 47, 48 years. This channel right here is sourced from 2001. We just started to break above that right now. If we do a little bit of FIB multiples, I'll spare you the gory details, but if you take a FIB multiple, if this is the real deal in terms of an impulsive, a trend breakout, the first upside objective in AMD on a break of this is $86 in AMD, and that's a minimum upside target. So that, this, we could just be getting started here in AMD. I think this chart's amazing. Amazing. All right, Todd, thanks. Todd Gordon, tradinganalysis.com. Let's trade it. Um, Trade it or fade it, we should do now. Okay, right? I mean, yeah, so I let's play like a game. Yeah, it's the first one of the night, Mel. The, uh, I mean, I know, chomping really? at the bit. 30 minutes in. What took so long? That's all right. We're going to do this. Intel, right. trade it or fade it. Dan. Uh, I think you trade it. This stock is down 20% from those recent highs a few months ago. It's been a bad, bad summer of news. You know, they lost their CEO. Um, they had to push out their 10 nanometer chip. That was one of the reasons why AMD has had such this big run here. I think there's probably some catalysts coming into the fall here, you know, at 45 and a half or so, I think you see a trade back near term, maybe back to 50. Pete? My trading and fading his? Yeah, yeah. I'm trading it with him. Wow. Oh, you are, you're just, with him. I, I literally just bought Intel the other day. And, and part of the reason is I think it's a great opportunity because of the fact that they're still searching out for a CEO. I think he's already there, Navin Chinoy. I think he's the guy that's going to actually move the stock to the upside. All right, let's move on to Micron. Tim, trade it or fade it? Uh, fade it. Uh, you know, again, I, I, unlike Intel, which I think has a much broader business model and certainly has core competency in data center and, and CPU, look, the, the, the rolling prices in DRAM and, and NAND are things that at least you have to be concerned about. I don't think that those industries are going away. And, in fact, I think there's much better pricing discipline amongst all the major producers there. But, no, I don't, you know, cheap is not enough here for me. Yeah, so you agree with Todd, actually. So, um, Dan. Right on, Todd. Yeah, I'm this. fading it, too. I think a big oh, issue with the semis right now is not just trade, that we might have seen tons of double ordering in the first half of this year. Um, we also had, look at those iPhones that were just uh, announced. They had... 512 megabits of, of memory, that sort of thing. So I think there was a lot of ordering so in the fade first it. half of the Fade it. All right. Let's move on to AMD. Pete, trade it or fade it? This one I'm going to fade. Uh, Micron I still like. I'd go against you guys on that one. But this one I just think the run has been too far too fast. Goes directly against what Todd just said. Right. And I've actually been in this stock all the way from 13 all the way up to 30 with right. options, not with stocks. But I don't want to be there anymore. I took off all the positions right now. I'm not, I'm not involved. Today was a very interesting reversal. I don't know if you caught that. Massive. Today. Big yeah. reversal. 10% reversal Big. off of a multi-multi-year high. I, I think yeah. you see lower lows. I'm with Todd on that one. Oh, no, I'm against Todd. Uh, I was going to say, I like the other low. stuff he was doing. <laughs> that was great. Okay. Yeah. You don't have to like everything that Todd okay. does, you know. Okay. Just, it's hard not to. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Karen, trade it or fade it? NVIDIA. NVIDIA. I, I got to fade it here. I just, you know, I, I, I think of this business, this industry as a cyclical one. This kind of multiple is nowhere anything remotely close to a cyclical type. 
It's a great company. I wouldn't short it, but fade it. We're just only this much off the top. I, I'd, actually, I'd actually, I'd, I'd trade this one, and I, I usually follow Karen okay. on multiples, but I, I think their space in the gaming, and I think these guys continue to actually deliver on new chips there. Um, I, the chart is, is a bonus for me, but I think NVIDIA is not one to count against. Pete, right. what are you doing? i got to hear what you're doing <laughs> in NVIDIA. Why? Come on, let's put them on yeah, the spot. Why you, I don't know, because you're like getting there, out of game on top of a game. You know what, in all honesty, I'm going right. to go with Tim, and here's why. Until they miss, until their growth stops, uh -huh. that's when that stock continues to go. As soon as they miss, this stock is going that's down. That's a trade. That's a yeah. giddy up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giddy, up. giddy up trade. Still ahead. Check out shares of Adobe, the cloud giant, reporting earnings after the bell. We'll tell you what top analysts are saying right now about the quarter. Plus, the pit boss here has made his way over to the platform. Nice. He says there's one struggling biotech stock that's heading out for a breakout. Much more fast money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for an instant replay. A month ago to the day, Pete stepped up to the plate to pitch Electronic Arts. Now, established franchises, they've got that. They have also got a pipeline. They also have a deal right now with Disney, a 10-year deal that they signed. So when you look at all the different elements that go into EA going forward as a publisher, there's a lot of reasons to be excited. Obviously, everybody focuses on mobile, but it's going on to all the different platforms. Since that call on August 13th, Electronic Arts is down 13%. Frustrating. Ouch. So what do you do with the stock now? I'm actually still holding it. I sell calls against this position, so I'm not down quite as much, but I'm certainly down. I'm disappointed in the reaction that we've seen out of EA so far, but I still think going forward, you know, these picks a lot of the time we're looking at a little bit further out, and that's yeah. why oftentimes I own the stock. I actually own the stock in EA. All right. Well, why don't you give it another try? Head over yeah, to the plaza. All right. Give, give it up. Yeah, I'm starting to feel a little bit better about things. Hey, Gilead. This is a name, and I talked with Tim earlier. He also owns this name. It's a great name, and here's why. There were opportunities here when the blood was in the streets not long ago. We'll look at the chart a little bit later. Look at this management team. It's a new management team, and they've already been aggressive. If you look in the last two years, what have they done? They made a huge acquisition. Kite, that's actually something that's going to be playing out, and actually just this week, part of what they're working with there on an arthritis drug actually did put out some really good numbers. Stock jumped the other day, and that was great for the stock, obviously. The solid fundamentals of this company, this trades at 11 P.E. It also gives you a 3% dividend yield. They also, in the last five years, have reduced their share count by buying back stock by 15%. So they're doing everything right, everything you'd want if you're a shareholder of this company. They're going out and they're being aggressive in buying and what they're doing in terms of buying back stock and what they're doing with the dividends. Now, the strong pipeline and the growth. This is the thing I want to focus on most. This was a, a hep C-related thing. Everything was about hep C for them. Unfortunately, that has been too good of a drug, and competition from AbbVie have actually pushed that down now. It's only about 20% of the revenues, but where they're making up for that and where they're actually getting growth, they're looking at the HIV franchise that they're building, and it's getting bigger and bigger, and oncology. They're seeing great growth there. You look at free cash flow, this company is flowing. They'll be able to make more acquisitions if they choose to or buy back even more stock. I think this stock actually returns towards the highs somewhere maybe near $87 a share. It's going to take a little bit of time, but I like this name. Karen's got a question. Yeah, quick yeah. question for you. Uh, the new arthritis drug, how big do you think that could be for them? Not, not quite as big as what we're seeing in some of the other categories, Karen, because when you look at the HIV, that's what they call the blockbuster. That's one of those drugs where you're talking about $5 billion drug in terms of what people expect where that's going to be going in terms of sales. So 
I think there are parts of their pipeline right now where they've got much bigger blockbusters. But you know what? Everything helps, and obviously that acquisition is going to feed into the oncology side of things as well as other parts. All right, no more questions. Time to vote. Are oh. you buying Pete's pitch on Gilead? Tim? Oh, come to me first. You own it. So. I own it. I'm buying it. There's Pete. <laughs> that you Give the number one nine. Well, really I mean, you good. tell me who that is. I don't know. It's not me. Jesse Ventura. Um, good job, Pete. I, I tell you what, <laughs> I, I think the management team is Hulk dead Hogan? on. I'm not worried about a bad acquisition. I stay there. Love the valuation. Do you buy the governor's pitch, Dan? Um, I think it was a great <laughs> pitch, but I'm not a buyer, and I'll tell you why. If you look Ooh. at the earnings and Ooh. the sales for the last two years, expected to be double digits, flat next year, I think there's one more bloodletting in this one. Mm. Lit on the desk, Karen, so yes. far. What do you say? I'm oh, you break Hogan the tie. Here. Right. Uh, breaking the tie. I mean, I, I, they, it used to be they had a huge bunch of cash. I'm glad they used that. I think they did something smart. It's a little bit on the come to see, but I like it. I'd be long. All right, two buys, one sell. Traders have spoken, but we want to hear from you. Do you buy Pete's pitch? You can vote in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money, and we'll have the results later on in the show. Plus, don't look now, but Bitcoin staging a little rally this week. Is the crypto ready to rally back? That and much more. Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin rallying today, and the word on the street is that rumors of Bitcoin's demise could be greatly exaggerated. Bob Bassani is at the NYSE to break down what could drive a big Bitcoin comeback. Hey, Bob. What, me exaggerate? Forget about it. <laughs> rumors that Wall Street still wants to offer crypto services just won't go away. Bloomberg is reporting that Morgan Stanley is planning to offer complex derivatives tied to Bitcoin. Now, these derivatives will give investors synthetic exposure to the performance of Bitcoin futures contracts. Investors will be able to go long or short these contracts. Bloomberg said the bank is set to launch once there is proven institutional client demand and after an internal approval process has been done. We reached out to Morgan Stanley, by the way, and they declined to comment on this story. So no confirmation here. Goldman Sachs is also exploring derivatives on Bitcoin called non-deliverable forwards. Now, you'll recall that Business Insider initially reported that Goldman was backing off on its Bitcoin trading operations, but the Goldman CFO refuted that at a recent TechCrunch conference. I think one of the wonderful things about being at Goldman Sachs is uh, we do get written about a lot, and uh, I never thought I'd hear myself actually use this term, but I'd really have to describe that as fake news. Okay, so why are these firms exploring derivative products instead of just trading Bitcoin? It's regulatory issues. It's a big problem. Custody is the big problem. The SEC has made it clear they are not going to approve Bitcoin ETFs until the issue of custody is resolved. But how can firms safely store cryptos and, most importantly, the private keys? Self-storing is not going to work. The SEC requires private funds with significant assets to use a third party. So crypto company BitGo is among the companies that are looking to fill that gap. Today, they received a charter from the South Dakota Division of Banking. They'll have to file financial audits, adhere to know your customer and anti-money laundering rules, and file monthly disclosures. But if they can crack this custody thing, this will be a big leap for Bitcoin. Melissa, back to you. All right. Thank you very much, Bob Pisani. For more on this, we brought in our very own Bitcoin baller, Brian Kelly, because we had to get his take on this. Uh, BK, how, how important are these two developments, the Morgan Stanley and Bitcoin? So I think the Morgan Stanley is important for sentiment because you saw what happened with Goldman Sachs. People have been waiting for the herd, the institutional herd to come. And so the fact that Morgan Stanley and Citibank, that helps sentiment. 
the custody is actually probably a bigger deal because that's been the real roadblock. If you have more than $150 million under management and you're a private fund, you can't custody your own assets. So you can only get so big in this particular space. With custody, institutional quality custody, uh, regulated custody, that's a big step forward. All right. For more on how this latest development from BitGo can help Bitcoin make a comeback, we are bringing in Mike Belshi, the CEO of BitGo. Mike, great to have you with us. Thank you very much. What sort of interest have you gotten so far? Well, it's been ongoing for the last couple of years now. As traditional finance has started to get engaged with cryptocurrency, as the market has grown and shown that it's got real promise for the future, um, the interest has just continued to grow. So it's everywhere. What's your guess as to who your first customers will be? What sorts of clients? Right. So, I mean, in the spectrum of folks that need custody, there's more aggressive and there's less aggressive. Um, there's a number of hedge funds, family offices, wealth management. They're all all looking for solutions. Um, frankly, if we had <coughs> solutions, you know, two years ago, the entire market would be much farther along than it is today. Hey, Mike, so one of the issues with custody in the past in Bitcoin has been it's very slow to get out of cold storage. Some play places will take two or three <coughs> days to get the assets. And so for a trader like me, that doesn't work. Your new offering, will the, what's the time frame on that? Do you have different tiers for traders versus longer-term investors? Absolutely. So Bitcoin's been servicing wallets uh, hundreds of exchanges globally for the last five years, one of the oldest players in the space. Um, so we can marry combinations of on hot storage and cold storage. Uh, cold storage is key to be slow, actually. You do not want to move a billion dollars overnight. So if anybody's telling you that you can move that very quickly, you know, you got to kind of wonder, what are they doing behind the scenes to keep that safe? Are you only dealing with Bitcoin or are you dealing across the spectrum of crypto? No, we're excited about actually all the digital assets and cryptocurrencies. So we support uh, about 10 different blockchains today, about 75 different coins and tokens overall, um, and seeing growth across all of them. Custody seems like a really important aspect of this, but when you hear about Goldman Sachs possibly, I don't know how you want to phrase it, not being as optimistic about rolling out a trading desk as maybe previously thought, uh, Morgan Stanley's move. Does Bitcoin really need Wall Street, these institutional players, or is it just the custody that has been the biggest barrier for Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies to actually to grow significantly? Well, custody's been a, certainly been a barrier for institutional to get in. Uh, you know, as Brian mentioned, um, they're required from a regulatory perspective to have a regulated, qualified custodian. And that that's a particular uh, entry point which uh, you can't go without. Um, they are fiduciaries to their clients, and so they re they're required to make sure that they have the highest security, the highest um, regulatory compliance, AML, money laundering controls uh, possible. So that has to exist. And um, without the infrastructure having been in place for the last couple of years, it's definitely slowed us down. I'm going to ask you this question, BK. Let's do it. Uh, does mm. Bitcoin need Wall Street more than <laughs> Wall Street needs Bitcoin? Uh, well, what Bitcoin needs is probably is fresh capital coming in. So we, we haven't seen a lot of new buyers coming in. So to the extent that Wall Street represents that, yes, Bitcoin needs that. I can tell you just anecdotally, the, the institutional herd is starting to move their feet a little bit. They've taken a lot longer than I expected. I'm a little blue in the face from holding my breath until they get here. But it's starting to happen. And this makes you how much more optimistic? Much more custody optimistic. This, this is a solution. I mean, I actually have been a customer of BitGo for a long time now. Mm -hmm. um, and the, this product and having it regulated by state banking authority changes the game for me. All right. Mike, um, hope you'll come back and give us an update. Thank, Thank you for you. joining Thanks us. Thanks Mike Belshi, me. the CEO of BitGo. Coming up, check out the after hours action in Adobe. The cloud company just reported earnings. But what are Wall Street analysts saying right now about the stock? We'll get the details for you. Plus, uh, you've seen their satirical sports and pop culture content. And now their CEO sitting down with the madman himself. Don't miss 
Barstool Sports CEO coming up on Mad Money. You've seen there hmm. the Kramer cam, and that is happening at the top of the hour. We're live at the NASDAQ market site. Much more Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Adobe moving higher in the after-hour session following its earnings release after the bell. Let's get to John Ford in San Francisco with the Wall Street's reaction to the results. Hey, John. Hey, hey, Melissa. Yeah, mostly positive, though the stock uh, was down after hours, and it's been uh, here and there uh, on the news. Uh, got a couple of uh, comments from analysts moving after hours um, from uh, Brent Thill and from Richard Davis. Richard Davis says another boringly excellent quarter uh, with many green lights up and down the financials. We got a classically fairly conservative Adobe guide that, given the strong budget trends we're seeing for marketing tech, should set up the firm for another upside 90 days from now. Brent Phil says Adobe scored a hat trick three quarters in a row of 24% year-over-year growth, solid execution, no big red flags, execution machine with little competition. Keep an eye on CRM, that's Salesforce. They are closing the gap, meaning inexperienced cloud, which is one of Adobe's big growth areas. More and more, they are pushing up against Salesforce, which, of course, uh, has customer um, management, relationship management as their bread and butter. It's this intersection of marketing data and that sales data, they are competing more and more, but it's an open field where both of them have room to uh, kind of gain some share, not, not exactly share, but some revenue, guys. All right, John, thanks for that rundown. John Fort out in San Francisco and uh, Adobe shares, we should know, not really moving in the after hours, but a monster move year to date. And in fact, cloud stocks overall reigning profits this year. As of the close today, shares of Salesforce higher by 55% since January. Adobe is up 53%, while Workday is also posting gains of 48%. So can these cloud stocks keep going higher? If so, what's the best bet? Dan? Well, they can, you know, but it, this one reminds me a lot of what, what Pete was saying about NVIDIA. Once they miss and there's a material guide down, then it's going much, much lower. It's up 53% of the year. It trades at 35 times next year's expected earnings growth that are decelerating to mid-teens from much, much higher growth rates. So they benefited from these massive secular trains, uh, trends in enterprise um, software going to the cloud. But at some point, that's going to come home to roost. So I look at next year, 2019, I see the growth rate much lower, the first sign that you have of the company confirming that, the stock's going much lower. What do you think? You know, the one name in that space I, I do have a position in is, is Salesforce, CRM. I, I like that one. Same scenario there. Obviously, you look at PEs, you get a little bit nervous, but I like what the growth is, and I ab absolutely love Benioff and the style he has. I think as the company continues to go higher. Yeah, I mean, the evaluation is difficult, but you've been betting against the valuation now for two years. Yeah. I mean, the stock's up 150 percent. Um, the Salesforce Adobe competition is something that I think people should take seriously. Uh, and in some case, that may push Adobe to go out and make an acquisition. There's been rumors about that over the last couple months. So, you know, you have to be careful of that as well. All right. Coming in up next, the final trades, and we have the results oh, of Keith Fast Fish yeah. on Gilead. Oh. We don't know. We'll find oh, out next. All right, welcome back. Do you know what Mark Zuckerberg and Pete Nigerian have in common? <laughs> well, they're both all by themselves. Oh, Sorry, Pete. 59% well, of people Well, that's ironic. They're both no. by themselves. On <laughs> that's not true. very you social. You can't right? really be by yourself if you're both together, there. Right? But, that's yeah. true. Pointing that <laughs> point by chairwoman. Good point by chairwoman. Why does he get Celine Dion? Pete lost. <laughs> Is this well, Celine Dion? Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> with all Time for the final trade. Pete. Uh, I like Teva. We had some huge option activity in there today. Buffett name. How do you not like it? I'll be buying it tomorrow. Gideon.
Chairwoman. Yes, I like CBS. I mean, obviously, know what's happened. We're, we're going to get a new CEO at some point. I think on valuation, it's interesting, and there's a chance for some sort of corporate event. Yeah, Alphabet, I'm not a buyer here. I think that some of the things we were just talking about earlier, especially with the DOJ, so um, I'm not a buyer. I like the symmetry. So Selena, the, the show is ending the show. Selena's coming back. Yeah. Now, if you hear her, she's building. What happened to Tony Braxton? I don't know, but I love Intel. <laughs> Buy that one. All right, see you back here tomorrow at 5 more fast. Mad Money starts right now. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.